If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 133. I would like to give a shout out to all our ladies that were at our, our women's weekend. I heard it was remarkable. 160 registered ladies were here. And uh, Sister Kendra's next door talking to our young people. I know they're going to have a great, 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 great service. This is our first Sunday of Family Friend Month. Yeah, it's exciting. Our theme is Better Together, which is my assignment today to remind us that unity matters. For as we know and have possibly experienced, there is stress and chaos when there is disunity. The corporate world is turned upside down when people are disgruntled and do everything they can to bring an industry down. The family is shredded as members work against one another through jealousy and spitefulness. And the church is ineffective when people look out for their own interests rather than the interests of God and others. David knew unity was a precious commodity throughout his life. David lived with unity and David lived without unity. So he gives us a spiritual gem that makes up in quality what it lacks in quantity. Psalms 133. Verses 1 through 3. Behold how good and pleasant it is. I like good and pleasant. When brothers dwell in unity. Just as it was good and pleasant, attractive, when this was true among Israel's tribes then, so it is true of God's people today. When brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in peace, love, and unity, it reflects the attitude of Christ. We should love one another. Can I get a witness in the house? We should love one another. Look, even if your normal personality is to be mean, you got to learn how to love people. I'm getting off my notes already. The unity of God's people is like, like the precious oil in the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. What a picture. They would bring Aaron forward or the priest. They would pour that oil to consecrate them for their responsibilities in the kingdom of God. And I could picture that oil saturating Aaron. The oil consecrated him to his God-appointed responsibility. And the unity of God's people brings divine consecration to them. What is he saying? He's saying this. To experience a flow of the Spirit in our church, unity is critical. Because God will not work amid division and dissension. He will not. Revival will stop when we become divided. It will. It won't flow. The oil won't flow. There'll be frustration. So we've got we to work for unity. Unity is also compared to the dew of Hermon, verse 3, which falls on the mountains of Zion. There the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
The atmospheric moisture from Hermon, the tallest mountain in Israel, fell on the mountains of Zion, bringing refreshment and productivity to the land. Similarly, unity among the people of God frees God to rain down blessings on them, and it flows. This explains why the devil seeks to sow discord among God's people. He wants to block the flow of God's blessings. But not here. Not on my watch. We're going to work for unity. Because we are better together. We are better together. So this title is going to blow your mind. I'm going to preach for a little while today on this topic. Better together. I know I was up all night thinking about that. Better together. This probably isn't the easiest topic to talk about today, but I'm going to help us. We're going to learn to work through conflict. We're going to learn to set aside our personal agenda, and we're going to learn to advance the kingdom of God. We are. That's what we're going to do today. God, help me today. God, help me to flow in the Holy Spirit. God, help me to operate the way you want me to operate, say what you want me to say. God, you have been so good to this church. There has been unprecedented revival, and the enemy would like nothing more to bring division. But not here. God, we're going to work together. We're going to love one another. God, we're going to talk through things that may bring discord. God, we're going to have conflict resolution. And we're going to see this whole community get to know you in a way they would have never known because there's a church that's willing to reach, love, and do what's biblical. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. If you're going to help me preach, get the Lord a hand clap. And you may be seated. The largest trees on earth by volume are the giant sequoias. Look at that. Found only on California's western slopes of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. They soar upward like natural skyscrapers and are simply mesmerizing in their immensity. And they are durable. Pest and fire don't usually bother the sequoia. And they don't die of old age. Isn't that interesting? They're durable. However, I found it intriguing that their most common cause of death is simply falling down. That's it. You want a revelation, that's what I got for you. When they fall down, they're dead, that's it. <laughs> for a tree so massive, how can this be? The answer is that the roots of sequoias only go 6 to 20 feet into the ground, and a sufficient windstorm can topple them. So to gain strength against falling, sequoias don't grow alone. They typically grow in groves together where their roots intertwine and their limbs interconnect. And when strong winds start to blow, they work together to hold each other up. Could it be that God was showing us an example of what the church could be? A storm that should blow me down doesn't because I'm connected with people in the body of Christ. Listen, there are things that should have destroyed me. But it didn't destroy me, number one, because God was with me. And secondly, is I had a, I had a brother and a sister that said, we're not going to let you fall. We're going to make sure that we're holding you up. If we're going to be spiritually healthy, 
We need all the encouragement and support we can get. We are better together. Look around here today. We are better together. I don't know where I would be without the church. I don't. I don't know what my life would be. Yet Billy Graham said that loneliness plagues more people than any other single problem. Many doctors say it is the primary sickness of our time. One doctor went so far as to say 99 out of 100 individuals are lonely. So look around. If 99 out of 100 individuals are lonely, there is somebody that's in this body today interconnected that, are, that is still lonely. There is somebody here that showed up today and you're hiding every bit of pain that you have because you don't think nobody knows or cares about what you are going through. But the devil is a lie. We care. We care. We want you to know you don't have to walk this path alone. We are with you. We'll be there with you. I recently read an article that stated in the church we are seeing a sense of individualism and disconnection. Many people are dating churches, never staying in one place very long. While some stake a claim on a church but remain distant on the margins, attending only when something better isn't going on. And then there are those who may indeed have a committed relationship with the church, but they're not all in. They aren't fully known by their community. They don't rely on the body when they're struggling or in need. Instead, they wear masks, covering their lives' pain, pretending that everything is okay even though it's not. Please hear me today. Individualism and doing life on your own is not a part of God's design. We are not meant to carry this burden alone. Even Jesus Christ had somebody else help him carry his cross. So whatever you're going through, it's okay to get with somebody and say, can you help me carry this cross today? This is why the Bible is very clear about God's people needing each other. I've heard people say this, all I need is God. That's all I need. All I need is God. That's all I need. Well, that, that's a great place to start. But God didn't stop there. After he created the world in Adam, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him someone he can share life with. And then God declared in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toll. For if they fall, remember them trees? One will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up we are better together but it isn't stop there the writer tells us in hebrews 10 24 through 25 and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works go back to verse 24 i'm sorry don't jump ahead yet look at that i told the 9 a.m this morning i said there's times in your life that you need to be provoked unto good works but there are also times in your life that you got to provoke others unto good works. You can't be the one always being provoked. Call me, text me, love me, but you don't want to call, text, or love anybody else. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. It's not the way it works. You'll be let down. At some point, you got to get your phone out and text somebody and say, how are you doing today? Can I check on you? Are you okay? I, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. I know it's not good right now, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to pray for you provoking one another now go to verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another 
and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Believers who are not an active part of a local church are living outside of the will of God and limiting God's work in their lives. Why? Because when your get up and go has gotten up and gone, you need someone who can lift you up. How many times have you walked in here and you was down and somebody said, hey, come over here. Let me wrap my arm around you and tell you everything's going to be all right. If you, some of you, you want to stay home today. It's all right. I did too. I didn't want to get out of bed. My wife said, baby, you the pastor. You got to go. I said, I don't want to go today. I just don't want to go. I'm not, I'm not trying to go today. She said, you got to go. So I said, all right, let's go. But I can promise, for real though, for real. But I can promise you when I got here and somebody said, hey, it's good to see you. How are you doing? I was like, man, it's good to see you. If I would have stayed home, I would still be depressed and discouraged. But I showed up. I didn't forsake assembling together. And when I got here, I'm going to leave better off than what I was before I ever showed up. Because we are better together. So when you're down, you show up. People lift you up. But furthermore, there's someone ready to throw in the towel today. They're ready. They're ready. They, they showed up, and they're at the end. They don't know if they can go any further. And God has divinely destined you to be the one to take them to the next level. So if you get all up in your fields and you miss out on what God wants to do, they may never, ever, ever get to the place in God that he wants to bring them because you're the one that God has appointed to go find them and say, hey, we're going to make it. It's going to be all right. That's why I don't want to miss because what if today is the day that I can make, the, make a difference in somebody else's life? The word forsaking is taken from three Greek words, which could be translated as out, down, and behind. It describes someone who feels left out, spiritually and emotionally down, and falling behind. People who forsake getting together always feel left out, spiritually and emotionally down, and they're falling behind. And Satan knows if he can separate us from other believers when we need them most, he can rob us of what God has in store for our life. The strategy of hell has never changed. Can we call that out today? The strategy of hell is to divide and conquer. Get you alone so that he can take you out. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for those that are by themselves, lonely, or not surrounded by people that love them and care about them. Those who have fallen, those who are broken down, and those who are wounded, who get off by themselves. That's what he's looking for. And people who do that, people who stop gathering and, and, and being a part of something, they believe four lies of the enemy. And if you got your phone, you need to put these down. Because I'm going to tell you the four lies. I'm telling you right now, the enemy's playbook. The four lies that the enemy, and you gonna, when, when I give them to you, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, he told me that. He told me that today. Number one, no one understands. Hey, hey, hey. I said it this morning. No one understands. I said, devil, you are a lie. How you made me say what you said? No one understands. That's a lie from the enemies. People do understand. There are some people here today that have been, have been through the very same thing you're going through today. No one cares. That's a, how, many, how, many has he, how many times has the enemy told you, nobody cares about me? Nobody. 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 That's a lie from the enemy. Nobody cares because maybe we haven't given them the opportunity to care.
Number three, God's word is not true. It's not true. God's word is absolutely true. Number four, the situation is hopeless. There is no hopeless situation with God. There is not. God can take every impossibility and make it possible again. He is able. He's God all by himself. There's nobody, nobody else like him. He's God all by himself. Because the body of Christ matters. These lies that the enemy tells you, you've got to let him know that's not true. They're not true. God does care. People do care I, I my my story does matter people have been through what i'm going through i'm not alone this is my river i can't tell you i've been here since i was 16 now i'm 35 yeah i was 16 i showed up here all by myself all by myself i did i showed up all by myself i drove here in an old broke down nissan I did. It was old broke down Nissan. When, when my mom and dad bought it for me, it had a camper on the back of it. Me and my friend Paul, we went and took the camper off the back of the truck. Because back then, you, you just couldn't roll up to school with a camper on the back of your truck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what's this? Got my ride. What's he got a camper on the back of <laughs> like, what, What's he doing? What's he got a camper on the back of it for? So we took that camper off. And I rolled up to this church. And they, they took me straight to the pastor's office, which was my wife's dad. They did. They took me straight in there. I'm like, Brother Spikes, this guy's here, and I, I don't know if we want him here. They really didn't say that, but that's kind of the way I felt. You know how you think you're in trouble? I was like, where are they taking me? Took me through the kitchen into the pastor's office. And I told him, I said, man, I need a change in my life. And he said, well, come, come be a part of us. And he said that that we'll do everything we can to help you grow. I was 16 years old. Today I'm 41. And I can tell you there's been valleys, there's been failures, and there's been mistakes. But because of God first and the body of Christ, I am who I am today because I got back up and said I got to stay connected no matter what's going on in my life. I can't let the enemy... I can't let the enemy get me alone because if he does, he'll destroy me. I got to have people in my life and I watched it this week. I watched the body. I watched the body of Christ work this week. As Chantel and her family were hurting so, so grieving so deeply as they should. But the body of Christ showed up and said we're here. Because look, we are, if you're looking for flawed people, we are them. I am he. <laughs> if you're looking for flawed people, this is not the place for you. But if you're looking for people that, is, that are doing the best they can to do what God has called them to do, this is the place you need to be. We're not perfect, but we're redeemed. We don't have it all together, but we love people. We love people. Isaiah 65 and 8, I love this, tells us that new wine is found in the cluster. And one says, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. I did not understand the scripture when I first read it because I thought wine came in the bottle. <laughs> Stay away from that. That's not what it says. I studied this out and realized that the, cl the cluster represents unity and togetherness. And the enemy wants to pluck us off the vine in order to destroy us. 
But if you stay in the cluster, the wine, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, will show up in your life. Look, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. You know what it says? They got together. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. You know what that tells me? They settled their disagreements. They appreciated their distinctions. And they said, God wants to do something through unity. It was almost as if the Holy Spirit said, I can't come and make a sound from heaven until they make the right sound on earth. I want to show up and give them revelation. I want to drop a word in the middle of them. But I'm not even going to speak until they make the right sound of unity on earth. I want to do. I want to call prodigals home. I, I want to save the lost. But I can't do anything until the church says we want to be unified. If we're trying to reach a broken world that is mired in complete disunity. Look, there's so much hate in our world. Why would we want them to come here if we're divided by disunity and there's hate in here and envy in here? and je No, we want them to come here and know, hey, because of Christ, we can love you and care for you and look past everything in your life. He said, if I can get the sound right on earth, I can release the sound from heaven. And when they got in one accord, look at your neighbor and say, suddenly. Not the, not 85 days from now, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It's as if God said, as soon as you get together, I'm going to release a suddenly blessing in your life. As soon as you get together, as soon as you get it right and you get united. That's how fast your life can turn around this morning. That's how fast your situation is going to turn around. That's how fast God can heal your body. That's how fast God can bring you out. That's how fast God can break the curse. That's how fast God can turn your situation around. That's how fast God can restore your joy. If we get together, there can be a suddenly on a Sunday morning at the river. If we get together, there's no telling what God will do. And you read the book of Acts. Man, it's a powerful book. They got crazy stuff happening in the book of Acts. I'm talking about wild stuff, people being healed, shadow of people, healing people, handkerchiefs going out. It should be happening in 2023, I believe. Same Holy Spirit, just got to be available. But do you know what the overriding theme of the book of Acts is? Unity. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 reads, And they were together and had all things in common. Then it's added again in chapter 4, The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Then Apostle Paul went on to, to call, he called this unity the body of Christ. Interestingly, interestingly, Paul decided that the church could be compared to a human body. Your human body is a marble. I don't know if you know that or not. It's a marble. Your brain is a marble. In your brain, there are 100 billion neurons. Nerve cells, interestingly shaped, all giving out information and taking in information. Sending messages, receiving messages, regulating everything that you experience, see, hear, touch, controlling over 600 muscles in your body plus tendons, ligaments, and organs, all so that your body can operate as a unit. And it is the same in the church. Ephesians 1 tells us Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Verses 22 through 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in 
all. Here it is. Here's some revelation for you. The pastor is not the head of the church. I'm not. I, I'm not the head of the church. And if, if any pastor that tries to promote themselves as the head of the church, everything gets out of spiritual order. There is no order in the kingdom of God. I'm a watchman and I'm an overseer. But my primary responsibility is to be under Jesus Christ and his word and to point others to Jesus Christ and his word. So please don't expect out of me what only Jesus Christ can provide in your life. I'm not the head of the church. I don't want to be the head of the church. Listen, if it was up to me, I wouldn't even be the pastor of the church. I don't want to be the head of the church. And if you put all the responsibility on me to be, take the place of Jesus Christ in your life, you're going to be let down. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jesus is the head of the body. He gives the orders. And the Holy Spirit is sort of like the nervous system conveying the message to all the different members of the body so that there can be smooth operation. That's why Paul would go on to write, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Unity doesn't need to be created. It just needs to be protected. It doesn't need to be built. It just needs to be kept. And here's the key. Unity is always an option because the Spirit is always present. So I'm going I'm, I'm to get excuse. We're about to deal with something, and we're going to move on, and I'm going to be out of here. It's 21 minutes in. The excuse, I just can't work alongside and so-and-so. Can't do it. I won't do it. God put them here because I've got a nerve that God put them here. They just know what button to push just to make me mad and angry and frustrated and tired, and I can't do it. I can't do it. My temperament don't get along with them. They just, man... I get around them, and I just want to fight, and I don't know why. Look, they sitting, they sitting down the road from you right now, but don't look at them. Please don't look at them. Please don't, don't look. Some of you pointing at your spouse. Stop right now. Do not do that again right now. I'm not trying to do marriage counseling after this lesson. But I'm just telling you what's reality. I'm telling you, Pastor, you say that? No, never. Yes. Yes. Are there people that get on your nerves? Yes. And if we get in our flesh, we'll say, I can't work with them. I'm not going to get along. I'm not supporting that. I'm not going to be a part of that. Now, look, if there's sin and corruption, you don't have to be a part of it. You have every reason to get out of it. But if y'all if both are working or you and that group is working to advance the kingdom, you may not be able to do it in your flesh, but the spirit within you can do it. To say otherwise is to say that the Holy Spirit cannot do what he longs to do. We were all given one Holy Ghost, one Holy Spirit. No, you don't have a different Holy Spirit than I got. Same one. If you do, meet me after service. We got to talk about this because it's one Holy Spirit. We got the same Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is working in me. It's making me a better person. It's teaching me temperance and how to control myself and how to work with people so my flesh may say, we don't get along. Our temperaments are different. We're, we're, we're combustible. We're all in water. Well, all in water is biblical. <laughs> it's biblical. Sometimes you've got to have a little bit of oil. You've got to have a little bit of water. But I've got to be willing to do everything I can to keep unity. A man went to an a, a asylum for the criminally insane. He was a bit surprised to find that there were three guards to take care of 100 inmates. Can you imagine? 
He said to one of the guards, aren't you afraid that the inmates will unite, overcome you, and escape? You know what the guard said? He said, I'm not worried about that because lunatics never unite. They never could get together. They'll never work through their differences. Each of us represents not just ourselves, but the body of Christ. We've got to learn resolution, long-suffering, and love so that the kingdom of God can advance. Go read it when you get some time. Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. Go read it. He prayed for us. He didn't pray for our success or our safety or our happiness. He prayed that we would be unified. It's the only prayer Jesus prayed that we can answer as the church is we've got to be unified. We've got to be together. We've got to be together. Unity creates belief. How will the world believe that Jesus was sent by God? By how unified we are. Unity creates belief. Disunity fosters disbelief. And we've got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to work together. Our unity as a church speaks volumes to people in the world because we, we shouldn't act like the world. We shouldn't be walking in here fighting and arguing and bickering all the time. And I know what you're thinking, well, Pastor, we just need prayer. Prayer is powerful, but it's not as powerful as unified prayer. Worship is powerful, but it's not as powerful as unified worship. And Satan is doing everything he can to divide. But God's not a divider. He's a multiplier. And if we'll, get in, if we'll get in unity, he'll start multiplying. Go read the book of Acts. The number of the disciples multiplied. It multiplied. It multiplied. It multiplied. They did a study years ago, and they found this, that, that they, they called something spontaneous trait transference. And they said this. In this study, they said that they interviewed people. And these people said that when they talked to gossipers who were negative, they automatically marked that person as a gossiper and as a negative person. When they talked to somebody who was loving and wanted unity, they automatically marked that person as loving and wanting unity. And if they talked to a politician who claimed all his opponents were corrupt, they immediately looked at that politician and said he is or they are corrupt. It's called spontaneous trait transference. Let it be said of me. That he loves people. Let it be said of me that I care and I want the best for people and I want to see them succeed. I want that type of spontaneous trait transference in my life. And we've got to get this right. Now, I'm going to give you three things. How do we, how do we get through? Pastor, how do we have unity? Are you ready? I'm going to give you three things real quick to tell you how we have unity. Number one, we have to look within, not just without. We cannot pray thy kingdom come until we pray my kingdom go. We've got to pray for ourselves, creating me a clean heart and renewing me a right spirit. That's what we've got to pray. And look, if you have opposition against anybody, you need to take Matthew 18 and you need to apply it to your life. If you've got ought against anybody, you need to go to them and say, hey, can we work through this? Now, let me, let me tell you what I told the 9 a.m. If, if it's manipulation, it's only a one-way road. Manipulation is you want to tell me everything you think about it, but you don't want to hear nothing I think about it. About what I, that's manipulation. Reconciliation is we get together and we figure it out. And if we can't figure it out, we go get some witnesses. Come be my witness. Bring them in the room. We talk. We let them listen. The witnesses listen. And if that don't work, we set up a table in the church on the platform. 
and everybody gets a microphone, and we explain to the body what's going on, and then the church decides we ain't never made it to the platform. Why is this important? Because discord happens when we are disgruntled, but unwilling to confront what we are disgruntled about because we know we shouldn't be disgruntled. We know it's not worth the energy, but we want to hold on to it and use it as an excuse to not advance the kingdom of God. We've got to be willing to deal with it. Secondly, we've got to be willing to forgive in our time of worship and prayer. We've got to be willing to let go. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. So when we come to the altar, this is what the Bible says. If you come to the altar and you've got awed against somebody, you stop worshiping and you go to that person and you figure it out. That's what the Bible says. Because unity matters. But also when you're in prayer, you've got to be willing to release things that, that you're holding in your spirit. And I know what you're thinking. I don't want to forgive them. But let me ask you a question. Question, is God asking us to do anything more than what he has already done? So if God can tolerate my mistakes, can I tolerate the mistakes of others? If God allows me with my failures to call him father, shouldn't I extend the same grace to others? If God doesn't demand perfection, should I demand perfection? We are better together. And the third thing you got to do is you got to become an encourager. You got to go to them and make it right. You got to forgive and you got to become an encourager. When you get some time this week, read Philippians 2 1 through 5. It talks about, Paul writes about a servant's heart and how we serve people and encourage people and make things better. Paul isn't arguing for harmony and unity at all costs. Truth isn't to be compromised in the name of harmony, but neither is the truth set forth to the exclusion of love. In dealing with the truth, expressing the truth, and communicating the truth, the goal is still unity. We are working for unity. We're working for unity. Can you bring me that? that? That bed? I'll take a nap. One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to close with this, in Mark chapter 2. The Bible says Jesus returned to Capernaum again. And once the people discovered where he was staying, the place all of a sudden filled up in this house. He was in this house, and all the important people were there. And it filled up. People just started, man, you couldn't even hardly peek through the window. You couldn't get into the doorway. And while he's there, the Bible tells us about four men who had a paralytic on a bed that would take this man everywhere he needed to go. These four men, this man couldn't get anywhere on his own. So these four men took on the responsibility of carrying this one man everywhere he needed to go. At some point in our life, we've got to go from being the carried to being the carrier. At some point in our life, we can't be carried everywhere. We've got to go from being the carried to the carrier. At some point, we've got to make a decision to help somebody because we've been helped. And can I ask you a question or make a statement? Please don't talk about me if you're not willing to carry me. 
Don't put down on me. Don't talk about how bad it is. If you're not willing to carry me to where I need to go, then please don't talk about me. They heard Jesus. They heard Jesus was in the house. I need four guys real quick. Four guys real quick. Run around that wall and come up here. Four guys real quick. And they heard, they heard, they heard that Jesus was in the house. And they said, this is the moment. If we can get him to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Y'all grab a hold of that, that bed. So they get to the house. They, they get the man on the bed. Imagine there's somebody there. And they carry him to the house. And they get there and they... They're like, man, we're we not getting in, boys. It's like lunchtime at Olive Garden. They packed out. <laughs> we're not, we not getting in. It's not going to happen. So they set the man down. Oh, yeah, y'all about to get a workout. And they look at each other. And old Mr. Negative said, yeah, we're not getting in. This man said, I don't know what we're going to do. This man said, we'll come back another time. But this guy, he said, we got to do something that ain't never been done before. Listen. Sometimes God will block it because he needs you to change levels. And if it goes the way you always wanted to go, you'll stay on this level. But when he's trying to take you to another level, he'll block things in your life so that you got to do something you've never done in order to get to the... So one of the guys looks at the roof. He says, there it is. There it is. Now listen. I've read, I've read a lot of commentary about that there was a staircase that led up to the roof. I don't know how they got up there. I wish I could sound very, very intellectual and tell you how they got up there. But they got up there. Now I want you to think with me. What, what if this guy would have said, I don't like your method. I'm out. Get out. We, we, we haven't got on the roof yet. Y'all pick up the bed. No, no, uh, uh, uh. Listen, not only is he paralyzed, he now has a head injury. <laughs> this guy says, don't drop it. He says, I'm out too. I don't like these guys anymore. I don't like the way they, they carry in the bed. I'm out. Because these two made it about themselves. Rather than the man that would have never gotten out of the bed and been healed. Look, now you're going to bow out. How many people do we drop on Sundays? Because we can't get together 
on things that really don't even matter. How many people have we dropped? How many people have we let down because we got in our emotions? But when we look at each other and say, listen, bro, you're a little too aggressive with carrying the baby. You know a little too much sometimes, but I need you. You're a little too quiet. I need you to say a little bit more. But it doesn't matter because I need you. Get a little fired up every once in a while. Not really. But it doesn't matter because I need you. I'm going to make a long story short. They get this man up on the roof and they start tearing. Can you imagine Jesus in the house, all the important people there, and he looks up and debris is falling from the roof. All of a sudden, Jesus has to put on his sunshades because the sun is coming through the roof. They tear the roof. The Bible says they tore it off and they broke it up. They tore it off and they broke it up. Because there's some things in your life you don't need to tear off. You need to break it up so it doesn't get back in your way of what Jesus... You got to break it up. Break up everything that is separating you. Break up everything that is standing. Break it up. It's got to get out the way. They lower this man down to where Jesus is. When they get him down, first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. The next thing he says is this, take up your bed and leave. I love it. You know why? I've used this so much, but I, it's, it's revelation to me, and it, it's, I'm going to preach it probably next Sunday too. Why didn't Jesus say, leave your bed here? Jesus could have said, leave your bed here. You don't need it no more. But the man did need it because there was somebody else that was paralyzed. And now he can tell, oh boy, hey, take you a break. I was in the bed, let's pick it up. I was in the bed, but now I'm a carrier of it. Get on, get on. You need help? Get on. No, really, don't get on. Don't get on. <laughs> you need a breakthrough? Get on. You struggling? Get on. I was there. I know what it's like to be carried. But we are better together. Let's stand. Y'all hold that. Listen, unity takes work. It takes effort. This church has grown. We had two Sundays ago, 475 people. This past Sunday, 430. And I'm telling y'all, it's overwhelming. Because I want, I want to personally get to know everybody and get invested in their life. And literally in prayer this week, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, I felt impressed on me that I'm raising up a body of believers. Because I'm a part of you. Remember, I'm not the head of the church. I'm a part of you. And he said, I'm raising up a body of believers that know how to carry. And that's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, if the lost are going to be saved, 
if the oil is going to flow, there's got to be a unified body. If we're going to turn our community upside down, we don't have to agree on everything, but we have to be unified together. Because if you, if, you, if you let go, if you let go, if you quit, if you throw in the towel, who are you going to drop? Listen, I was supposed to introduce life groups right here, but I feel a tug of the Holy Spirit, and I can do it after the altar call. The Holy Spirit is calling you right now. And he's asking you a question. Can you put aside personal preference and can you carry those that are broken?